Yeah, I actually read in an interview somewhere that you said uh, you take a lot of influence from comedy. Uh, have you ever done like an open mic stand-up night or anything like that? Oh, yeah, dude. You definitely didn't look into me. I'm actually like a stand-up comedian. Oh, really? Howdy, and welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Bill's manager, Anand Harsh, editor-in-chief of TheUns.com and professional catfish noodler. Crack open a PBR because today's guest crawled out of the bayou with a belly full of crawfish boil ready to fuck shit up. I'm talking about the one and only Taboo. You know him from releases on Wakan, Quality Goods, Drama Club, Circus, and Outer Realms. He toured the country with DMVU on the Eat My Sass tour until Mother Nature got so sick of their shit, she sent a sick bat to the market to fuck up the global economy and shut it the fuck down. Mitch is something of a tour, taking his comedy skills to his socials with Taboo Talks and his chat show with the greatest in bass acts, zooming in each week. This is just an all-around fun episode. Move over, Avengers. This is the crossover event of the century. We're now dropping two episodes a week on Mondays and Thursdays. Subscribers to the Mr. Bill Patreon get episodes a full week before listeners to the free feed, and early access is available to listeners at all subscription levels. Patrons also get bonus episodes, merch, Discord rolls, and so much more. Just head over to the Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Mr. Bill's Tunes to help keep us in hush puppies and Hennessy through the pandemic. Finally, go to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up as a hardcore Ableton-er. You'll get full access to Bill's project files and tutorials, as well as sample packs and other cool shit. All right, strap it down, folks. Here comes Taboo. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. fuck yeah cool man well yeah thanks for coming on the podcast i appreciate it i appreciate you being flexible too because i know um today i was like ah oh, fuck we gotta reschedule but then like yeah flexibility to do it later in the day was good basically i had to go and like vi visit a friend who um is watching my cat because uh i'm moving house at the moment and i can't have my cat seeing me move house so i had to dropped my cat off at, at a friend's house and he's like running out of food and shit. So I had to just take more cat food to him. Nah, man, it's all good. I, I appreciate you having me on. I'll, I'll enjoy your podcast and it's all right, man. You're just, you're just slightly unprofessional, bro. It's all good. Yeah. It's, yeah. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I'm really bad at like being late for shit and also just like feeling like there's too much shit happening in a day and just being like, all right, calling the whole day off, you know? <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's an it's an easy thing to do, honestly, dude. I I'm like I try to be early to everything, man. My freaking dad was like that whenever I was a kid. He was always early, and if we were on time, we were late. So I'm always like really anal about being on time or even early. Right. For like so actually, I ever do. Right, right. I read a thing you said in an interview, um, because I was uh I was profiling you for the for the podcast because I realized I don't know a whole lot about your career and all that stuff. So I'm excited to talk about it all. But I, um, I read a thing in an interview where you said, uh, growing up in the South, you think gave you like a better work ethic than people who grow up in cities and stuff. Cause it seems like, and I kind of agree with your point a little bit where you said people in cities, they kind of treat the whole game as like more of a networking game or like more of a thing where you like try to build connections and like, you know, leverage yourself that way. Whereas like you didn't have that to lean on and therefore like you think it helps you develop a better work ethic in the sense that you just had to sort of work harder to be noticed rather than having all of these connections and whatnot. Oh dude, 100% man. So like growing up in Jackson, it was like, there was, there weren't opportunities, you know what I mean? Like no one was booking you for shows. Like no one was out there networking. Like there's not a big, you know, there's not these big event companies or these big promoters throwing these dope shows and stuff like that. And 
You know, so if you wanted these shows to happen, you know, you had to put them together. You know what I mean? If you wanted music, because there wasn't an electronic scene in Jackson, man. But I mean, even before I was doing the electronic stuff, I, f- I still feel like it gave me a like a, a really good worth ethic just because I really do feel like you do got to work harder whenever it's in towns like that, you know? And, you know, in big cities, it's like there's people just half-assing it, but like still getting like really good opportunities. Like that's not going to happen in small towns. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just not going to happen like that. So, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, those first couple of years I was really serious about producing and I was like throwing events and stuff like that. Like that really gave me such a good worth ethic to where now I'm am in a, you know, in a, in a market and stuff, but I still have that same worth ethic because I had to work harder than I felt like people in, in cities do because they could just network or meet this person who could put them on this and that. And yeah, I mean, I, I really do. I, I, I still believe that. Right. Yeah. It seems like um, not only in cities, but just sort of in the industry in general, there's this kind of nepotistic shit going on, right? Where it's like not necessarily the person who works the hardest or... What does nepotistic uh, mean? Sorry. What does that mean? Uh, so nepotism is where like if you're hiring somebody to do a job, you'll always preference somebody who's in your family to do the job rather than like oh, yeah, yeah. You know, whoever's just the best at doing the job. Um, and I feel like that exists a little bit in the music industry where it's uh, not necessarily family, but just, you know, you're more people likely, you know. yeah, people, you know, like your friends and stuff like that, rather than maybe who's the best person to do the thing, which is kind of cool. I mean, like, you know, that whole crew thing is you know, having crews is cool and, and stuff like that. But I, I also, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of similar. I try to have like a pretty good work ethic with um, at least writing music, like n- maybe not necessarily like the marketing side of things and all of that, but at least with, with making music and making tutorials and sample packs and trying to do this podcast and all that sort of stuff. I feel like my work ethic's like not bad. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I generally find that, that the scene kind of just doesn't doesn't reward that as much as it just like kind of picks people who they want to pick for. But like I kind of I get that though. You know, like whenever like you're putting together a tour, like, you know, there's two really good producers, but like maybe one of those producers or those DJs are just like your buddies. You know what I mean? So like you're going to take the buddy or it's going to take people you know. I mean, I get it to an extent, but I mean, I totally get where like, you know, there's people a little bit less deserving and stuff like that for doing certain things. Um, I don't know, I wouldn't say less deserving, just probably just didn't work as hard as the other guy. But I mean, that's just everywhere, man. Even electronic scene, every scene, just uh, everywhere, dude. I, I get it. Right, right. Well, spe- yeah, with touring, it makes a lot of sense because um, you don't want to be stuck on the road for, you know, 50 dates with somebody <laughs> you're, you're not super sold on. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm very fortunate that hasn't happened to me yet. You know, everybody I've been on the road with, I've been really cool with. Thank, you know, thank the Lord. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, you know. I feel like, you know, everybody's due for that one tour with that person they don't like too much. But we'll, you know, maybe not, though. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if it is with somebody you, you like, you're, you're sharing such close quarters for such a long period of time, it can always turn sour, it seems like, as well, just... Well, even like little things, I'm, I'm like not sour, but can just make you like feel differently. Like I know when I was on the Double Vision tour, you know, I would switch rooms between staying with Lucid and Champagne Drip. I think I stayed with Champagne Drip one night, man. That motherfucker snores, son. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, that was it, dude. That was that's the only night I'm doing with you, Sam. Love you, but no, I can't, I can't stay in a room with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just said thank the Lord. Are you religious? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, it, you know, when I say the Lord, I don't know if I'm necessarily talking about like a Jesus Christ or anything like that. Like I think about, like when I say like that's the Lord's work or something like that, I, I like to think that that's like good. You know what I mean? Like that's like something good. Whenever something happens that's really good and you just can't explain it or like, you know, like good karma and stuff. I mean, I just say that that's the Lord's work. I don't know. I don't know, you know, I don't have a face or a name to that Lord, you know, I just think like, you know, good energies and, you know, good things happen, you know, like karma, I feel like, you know, in a way is the Lord, you know, good and bad. Kind of just like saying blessed or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, like God bless you and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm religious. I definitely, there was a point where I like extremely wasn't where I was like, man, I don't believe in anything. And I guess as I've gotten like, and this has been pretty recent over like the last like year and a half where I've just kind of stopped, like take a step back and think about it. It's like, no, nah, I, might, I might believe in something. Who knows? I don't know what I believe in, but I'm not so like closed mind into there, there being something anymore. Now I'm like, you know what? 
there could be something. And if there is, sick. If there's not, dope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm still going to have a good time. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I used to, when I was younger, I was like, no way, religion's fucking dumb. And then, like, I went through this huge uh, spirituality phase where I was like, man, definitely, like, ghosts exist and shit. <laughs> and then uh, I was, like, mad into crystals and shit. This is when I was, like, I don't know, 15 or something. And this then, is um, where you're going through your, your, your hardcore wook phase. I heard the crystals were involved, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was just, like, <laughs> bursting at the seams with hormonal changes and shit and just, like, oh, yeah. into crystals. <laughs> i guess and, whenever i was going through that phase i was that's when i was anti i was just like a punk rocker playing in bands and shit i'm like fuck everything <laughs> i even i even used to make make fun of like djs and dubstep too bro believe it right right yeah <laughs> in your metal bands you're like dude that's fucking lame yeah i had that experience when i was younger actually my brother was in bands and, and i was in bands too but then I kind of diverted and got into electronic music because I started doing acid and going to fucking Psytrance shows all the time. And, Hell um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this shit's sick and started, I just was like, fuck bands and just started getting into like DAWs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, all, all of the people surrounding me who are into metal and stuff were like, man, this is just like Mario Kart fucking Gran Turismo menu music. What is this bullshit? <laughs> And now they're all blaring Sullivan King and jerking each other off. Yeah, not yeah, really yeah. like not not that the music is related to them jerking each other off. They're just so happened to be jerking each other off while Sullivan King is playing. Yeah, yeah, like totally disconnected <laughs> cases. Yeah, right, right, but right. Like, Dude, this just, song's sick. You want to jerk each other off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally unrelated to this song being sick. I have another great idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm sort of in your boat as well in terms of believing in religion and spirituality at this point. I, I, I think I've just like experienced enough weird shit at this point where I'm just like, I don't know what, what's going on. I don't think, obviously nobody does, but I mean, I think enough weird shit has happened to me just in, in my life in general now that I sort of have reached the conclusion of like, I don't know, either um humans are really good at making unrelated connections to things which is i made an album about this called apophenia um or there is actually some weird shit going on where there is like some you know higher non-understood powers but also i mean there is obviously higher non-understood powers like just in the universe in general i think we're yeah, like a black hole bro like what the fuck you know what i'm saying <laughs> like yeah. anything man it gets crazy out there you just want to know like i get i get lost in that rabbit hole on the internet it's just learning about stuff in space and it's just like man we don't know shit man we just yeah, don't right. know shit do you usually just go down like youtube rabbit holes <laughs> or, or do you go down like yep, subreddits yeah. or do you do the uh, i like watching just crazy visual uh, like videos with cool visuals so if there's any type of space stuff like i honestly i just started watching cosmos i know i'm hella late on it but i just started watching it and, uh, the I'm Carl Sagan the one or the Neil deGrasse Tyson? The, uh, Neil, yeah, deGrasse Tyson, man. I like him a lot. He, he can talk his ass off like in real life too, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> I saw uh, Josh Pan make a tweet once being like, I can't believe people listen to this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but um, so like was, was Australia, or like is it a hella religious place? Dude, it's really not. So like um, Australia is, uh, I heard it explained pretty well to me once. Um, that how is it explained? It was like the way that people look at Australia is the way that America looks at Texas or whatever. Like Texas is sick as fuck, bro. I, I don't know I what agree. people be saying. Yeah, I mean, I like Austin a lot, and I, I love the whole state of Texas. I've never had a bad time there. Yeah, to be fair, me either. But I mean, I know that in general, like in America, people sort of look at places like Texas and Florida with this like little bit of not not like disdain but they're kind of just like you know that's that's that place <laughs> how they feel about Mississippi bro you tell me I think it's like probably <laughs> I mean I don't know like I haven't heard a whole lot about Mississippi what speaking of Mississippi like we should talk about that but anyway I um I had like some point that I was talking about that I Oh uh, yeah, you're you're comparing uh, Australia to Texas. Uh, oh right, right. Like that. You, you're asking yeah. if Australia is a religious place. It's not, but the, it's pretty like fundamentally backwards in a lot of other ways, right? Like, um, I would say like casual racism is way more prevalent there than it is in the states, actually. Um, just be, I mean, just, just like being the norm. I mean, to some degree, at least in the older generation, and I know that that's sort of the case here too. But, um, and I know that like you know America went through insane. 
oppression of African-American people, especially with like slavery and all of, all of that kind of stuff. But Australia, man, we went through like mass genocide with Aboriginal people. It was like fucking horrible. So and and I think like because of the way the country started, like for starters, it was all convicts. Uh, it was settled by the English who just genocided like a shitload of Aboriginal people uh, and then just like taken over. And that was sort of like the birthplace of Australia, right? And that only happened 200 years ago. So Australia is not an old, old country. It's like fairly new, um, at least. Yeah, I don't in know the, much about it, man. I just don't know much about that country. It's crazy. Right. But I, I heard I everything there is expensive as hell. Yeah. And I, I've, that I've heard true. that. Do you smoke cigarettes? Not, I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't even smoke weed, man. Okay, well, a pack of cigarettes there is like twenty five bucks. That's crazy, dude. And no, like, we'll do. That's wild. Twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's crazy. But um, yeah. So I think because of the way the country started, in that sense, it's like uh, yeah, pretty fucked. Like in, in at least the older generation, like you know, my parents and my parents' parents, and a lot of people in that sort of like sixty, fifty to sixty year old range seem pretty uh, like backwards in in terms of a lot of a lot of the ways that they think but but i wouldn't say it's heavily religious to be honest dude where i'm from is just like in like you know the bible belt man churches everywhere like even today like i live in new orleans now i moved here like three years ago and uh like today i went and go pick up lunch for me and my old lady and like all the places i want to go to were closed on sundays i was like what the hell like back home on sundays like restaurants were booming because everybody went out to eat after church and there's so many churches. It's like a church every like mile. Damn. Yeah. Why do you think that is like specifically in the South? I don't know, man. Maybe just like, I feel like people in the South really grow up with certain values and they really try to push that onto their kids more than like, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I feel like people are a little bit more behind on like letting people think for themselves, you know, in, in, in the South. I won't say all of the South, but some places, you know what I mean? Like they really try to push what they like and what they think is right on other people. And, 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 and it's changed, it's changed a good bit, even from when I was a kid, but I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Should do. And what was it that made you move to New Orleans instead of somewhere out of the South? Do you, do you just enjoy the vibe in the South or? Dude, I love New Orleans. Like, I really... This place is, like... I've never been happier living somewhere, to be honest. I mean, it's only the second place I've lived, but um, it's just the culture here is so sick. The thing that made me move here, though, is, like, I I, I did everything I could in Jackson. Like, you know, I was I was throwing shows, and I, they were only... I was only able to throw such big shows. Like, towards the end of, like, me booking shows, like, I was booking, like, the space jesus tour r.i.p i was booking like the like yeti tour and uh like you know like these big shows but they weren't like they weren't pulling i don't know they just weren't doing that well and i wasn't doing like it wasn't doing anything for me to be honest like i wasn't making money which i wasn't doing it to make money in the first place but i knew i wanted to have a career doing music and i wanted to go somewhere that actually had like a market and go somewhere where there were like producers better than me because it was like in jackson like i was the only you know, like bass music producer. And so like whenever I moved to New Orleans, like I'm instantly like the worst, you know what I mean? So it just like (laughs) makes me, makes me really hone in and just get, you know, put a fire under my ass, dude. I mean, if that don't light a fire, then your wood's wet. You feel me? So, but I moved to New Orleans and it was great. I'm like, I was already making, you know, decent music. Like I knew what I was doing. I just needed to be around other people doing the same thing that I was doing, you know, going for the same goals and stuff. So I moved here because, I mean, it's only like three hours from home. You know, I'm like a very family-oriented guy. Like, I love all my family members. I love being around all of them. Uh, you know, we all get together a bunch and have boot cookouts and stuff like that. So I didn't want to go too far. <clears throat> uh, I'm probably not going to be here forever, though. You know, like, I want to buy a house here in the next, like, two years. And I just don't think buying property in New Orleans is a good investment just because it's a sinking city. Right, right. So yeah. you, you started out as a promoter then? In no, Jackson? I started out as a producer and stuff. And, and, and I just wanted to, I wanted to like, you know, DJ. I wanted to, uh, you know, play some music. Because I, I, would, I, would, I remember driving to New Orleans. My first ever like electronic show was at Buku Fest. And it's in New Orleans. And I drove to that and it was fucking awesome. I was like, dude, why don't we have this in Jackson? And I was looking into New Orleans and they had all these, you know, promoters like Winter Circle, like EDM Mutual at the time. It was just like these people throwing these events with all these dope acts and it was a lot of fun. And I was like, man, I would like that here. 
but there's not anything like that here. So I started throwing shows just so, you know, other people could have fun or where I, you know, where I could bring the fun to, to Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say I started out as promoter. I mean, it all kind of started at the same time, to be honest. By the time I started getting really serious about producing was the time that I was throwing shows. And, and, I, and I, I was never throwing them to like, you know, oh shit, these people are making money. I was like, no, dude, I knew in Jackson it was going to be a hell of a struggle to get people to go events. Because there's not really a, like a nightlife there. And uh, I, I, I did it just because, I, you know, they're fun. I, I wanted to do them. You know, I wanted other people to have that experience because there wasn't electronic music in Jackson at all. You know, a lot right. of people didn't know what the hell it was. So if, you know, if I could teach somebody or show someone a good time, you know, that's what it was about for me. Right. It's also a good experience to have, I reckon, to sort of give promoting a shot. Like I've promoted a few of my own shows. Specifically, I did one in Sydney at the end of last year because Sydney has just got a, sh- I mean, I wouldn't say like a shit music scene. It's not the best though. And it definitely, um, <clears throat> yeah, electronic music, at least the stuff that I'm doing, doesn't have a great following in Sydney. It's more Psytrance there and it's more like, you know, maybe the heavy dubstep does okay there and like at like Chinese laundry and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I promoted my own show there and it's it's kind of eye-opening a little bit just to get your feet wet a tiny bit just to, to give you a little bit more idea of, of how the industry works, right? Because it's sometimes easy as an artist to just like be completely blind to, you know, the whole administrative and management side of the industry. But it's so helpful, I feel like, to understand a little bit of how all of that stuff works. But I totally agree, man. Like, and and not you learn how that works, but it also teaches you networking and stuff like that. Like, I had no idea how to network or how to talk or do business or anything like that, you know. So, I mean, it really, it really teaches you all that shit. I even worked production, like stagehands, the first year I lived in New Orleans, uh, and that taught me a lot of shit too. It made me appreciate all the people who put shows together. And, you know, not just the people like. And whenever I was throwing events, it was like in a tiny room, so I could, you know, I could, I didn't need stagehands. It was just me bringing in equipment and shit. So uh, coming here and then working these big events, it really made me appreciate, like, you know, even the smaller things. People just wrapping cables and shit like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. all it's all a learning experience. Yeah, I think was it Henry Rollins. Uh let me see i'll try and google it henry Rollins' note to artists or whatever he he like has this famous quote thing that he wrote and put it on a door at a show that he was playing or something yeah it said listen to the stage manager and get on stage when they tell you to no one has the time for your rock star bullshit none of the techs backstage care if you're david bowie or the milkman when you act like a jerk they are completely unimpressed with your infantile display that you might think comes with your dubious status they were here hours before the building the stage uh sorry they they were here they were there hours before you building the stage and they will be there hours after you leave tearing it down they should get your salary and you should get theirs (laughs) Dude, who the fuck reads that much, bro? That guy needs a blowjob, son. That dude seems <laughs> angry, but he's well said, though. Well you know, said. <laughs> do you know Henry Henry Rollins? Uh-uh, I don't. I think he was a singer for a rock band at some point, and then he, uh, I, think, I think he got into comedy as well, and then I think he was also maybe a fighter for a while, and then he now is just, I don't know, he's like this personality. He's been on Joe Rogan a few times. Pretty interesting dude. He, Hell yeah, dude! But that's a that's a you know he put a lot of thought in it. He was having a bad day when he typed that up, bro. Someone really pissed him off. But I get that. Honestly, I went over a, a minute on a on on a festival one time, and it was on accident. And the stage manager like kind of chewed me out after, and I felt really fucking bad. And I wait, apologized. What? Like, what did you? What? Do? I went over a minute because in that in that uh quote you're just reading, it was like get off stage on time. No one has time for your rock star oh, bullshit. Yeah, right. It was at a festival slot, and like I went over, it wasn't even a minute. It was like forty seconds, and uh, like on accident, you know, like I, I really didn't do it on purpose, and um, and then he just fucking chewed me out after, and I felt really bad about it, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't trying to make his job or anybody. I wasn't trying to take away from any artist, so I tried really apologizing to him, and I apologized to the artist after me. He was cool about it, like he didn't give a fuck. But the stage manager, he was just not taking my apology. Well, here's the <laughs> thing, right? It's like if you're playing a set and not everybody plays their sets this way, but like a lot of people when they're DJing are sort of like, you know, you'll have like routines in your set, but then you'll have like sections of your set where you're kind of just doing, trying shit out and fucking around, right? And um, 
I feel like you're going to go over by 40 seconds sometimes without just cutting the end of your set off with no ending or whatever, right? Right. I mean, well, if, if I if I know I'm playing like a like a like a big slot somewhere, I'll really try to plan a set out just because I want it to be absolutely perfect. And I've started playing. Whenever that happens, I'll do it at like 57 minutes. Like I'll, I'll even get off early. Even whenever I don't plan something, I'm always on the time. And ever since that moment, I get off stage usually two minutes early. Like those two minutes aren't going to like change the world for me, you know? Right. And do you usually, um, when you're planning a set out, sort of just play it at home or whatever, just to check that it goes for that amount of time? Or how do you time it usually? Yeah, I don't even have DJ equipment at my house. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of hope that it's that time. And if it, it, it usually is under, and if it is, then I'll play another song or something like that. Or like sometimes it'll be over. I'm just pretty much will check like if there's a, a clock on stage or like I'll check the time on my phone real quick towards the end. But uh, what set? Oh, uh, I think it was, it was the, it was Buku set this year. Um, RIP, it didn't happen. But uh, that was one that like I, I literally laid it out in Ableton because I wanted to like, I was doing a bunch of like acapella doubles and shit like that. So, and I, I wanted to do a really special set for that uh, festival because like my parents were coming. It was going to be their first time seeing me play. And like I had a good time slot and it was in New Orleans. I hadn't played New Orleans in like a year. So like I was going to play like a set dedicated to New Orleans. So I wanted it to be absolutely perfect. So like I laid it all out in Ableton and made sure the time was completely like right on time. Yeah. yeah, I'm sort of of two minds about that. To some degree, I like to plan my sets a little bit, but I also kind of like having a bit of um, flexibility there because I, I feel like if if I plan it too hard and then I just do everything that I planned, it doesn't really feel like I did anything and it doesn't really feel like I needed to be on the stage. Right. Whereas like, I guess that, that, that set was actually the first time where I, I had like a planned visual set with that where I like sat down with my VJ like and that was another reason that why that set was planned just because we you know he was also creating a whole visual show to it as well and I just kind of wanted to flex all that in front of my parents <laughs> yeah it's tough when you start like in introducing like either other musicians with your set or visuals or just anything else where you have have to have like some intervention from another person to sort of link up with the shit that you're doing then it definitely needs to be a little more organized right yeah like if i if i take my vj with me somewhere he's usually just free balling it and so am i but that was one of those times where i was like dude i want the words to come on the screen at this point you know what i mean like i was it, it was uh i'm so sad it didn't happen <laughs> but it it's well, all good baby i mean if you've got it organized you can just do it after quarantine or you could just do it on a stream right I could, man. I've actually stayed away from doing the streams. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, what what's your reasoning? Uh, well, I did one, and it was with it was uh, Boogie T Brock, and he was doing it Republic, and all those people at Republic are really good friends of mine. They just built this dope rig, and so it was just like fuck it, this will be a lot of fun. And then after that, I was done, and because like I I feel like I don't. I don't know. I want to keep my demand up. If that makes sense, like I don't want there to be a situation at a festival where like they're having to choose between seeing me or somebody else. Like, dude, I just watched Taboo last week on Twitch. Like, let's go, let's go fucking, you know, go see this fella over here. And it's like, I mean, like I'd still have some, like I'm playing um, Cosmic Kingdom pending in August. You know what I mean? And that's a festival. So it's like, I don't want to, you know, make people miss me because they already feel like they've seen me enough, you know? And I still want it to be like exciting. I I don't know. I feel like the, it takes a little bit of takes a little bit of uh the want for people to go to a show. Like say someone's flying inner city, not even a festival, and they did like four streams the month before. Like, dude, I saw this guy so many times last month. Like, why would I go pay to go to a show? And and like another thing is like the energy. Like, I know we played together in Montreal, but I don't know if you actually paid attention to me. So like, I really feed off of crowds. Like. I really do. Then that's the reasons why I'm not doing these drive-in shows too. Cause I mean, we, I've gotten offers for them, but I just don't want to, it's just not the same. Like I really vibe with people. I like being able to stop my sets in the middle of my set and point at somebody and fucking crack jokes with people. Like, you know, do some jokes or, you know, do goofy shit and see other people do goofy shit. Like that's some of my favorite parts about performing is just like the interactions with the crowd while I'm on stage. And I just can't do that with a stream or on a drive-in show. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's like, for me, what makes uh, playing or DJing or any live performance really cool 
is the fact that you're like there's you know a whole room full of people like let's say a thousand people who are all connecting with the same thing at the same time which has this kind of like connection type effect to it where um you know everybody feels like on the same level at the same time and it kind of just like has this big energy to it that isn't possible with streaming and not only that but you can't really control the uh the sound that everybody has right like you you might have one person listening on a phone and then another person listening on some sort of bluetooth speaker and then somebody else listening on laptop speakers somebody else listening on a tv and it's just like i don't know it seems so disconnected to me that it it doesn't it seems like it it kind of like removes everything that's cool about a set or a a lot of the cool things because because i i'm I'm a big proponent or a big believer in that so many of the things that are cool about a dj set is not the dj or the music that they're playing it's like so many it's maybe 50 percent that at most and then the other 50 percent is like other other shit that you can only get in the real world I, I completely agree, man. Like the 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 experience of shows, like you can't you can't replicate that on a live stream or on a drive-in show. Well, it's like drive-in shows. I, I I get their purpose and I and I respect what they are. You know what I mean? Like people want to still go out, so this is an alternative to be doing it safely. Also, promoters still need to make their money so they don't completely go out of business. And so I totally support that and everything. And and I like. I, I get that completely. I will say, though, on the live streams, I haven't been doing any, any, but I've been going into the live stream chats and working on my pickup my pickup game, dude, my pickup lines, and I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just in there like, damn, girl, you fun as hell. Come here often. Like, uh, you know, hey, I'm Mitch. Can I buy you a drink? I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just trolling, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I have been enjoying working on my pickup lines on the chats and um, just fucking with people in the chats. <laughs> nice <laughs> um so you said you had an offer for a show in august do you do you think that'll happen or what do you what's your feelings on that well it's not a, it's not offered it's actually confirmed i mean right right but i mean like yeah do you think that show will happen oh, dude who fucking knows bro like i hope it does i really do i'm ready to get back out there dude i'm ready to get back to fucking and it, but it's in iowa so you know i don't know how bad it is out there in iowa but i don't know how much there is out there anyway so um it's in iowa i think they scaled down the size of the festival but even if it's like three thousand people like i feel like that's really hard for a for a city or a town just to be like hey you know this is okay for you to do this i fucking hope it happens and it's all pending like even though it's confirmed it's still pending you know what i mean like nothing is for sure for shows these days uh so i really hope it happens do i think it will happen eh we'll see yeah uh i'm sort of on the i mean i don't know i'm i'm kind of on the side of like yes i want to get out there and play shows again as much as everyone else but i don't think shows should happen for a while still i just i think like it's kind of got like some ethical problems there for me and also i believe that going back to doing shows prematurely like i feel like we're sort of starting to do now is just going to cause further closure of the industry you know it's like yeah everyone's kind of fucked from it and the economy is like doing bad and stuff like that but i think by opening stuff up now and starting to do shows already again where we're just gonna sort of fuck ourselves for longer you know well dude i love fucking myself but how long do you think until shows do come back like when do you think they come back i mean just until we're in a non-declared state of pandemic i think so I think yeah, well, that, that would either be when a vaccine exists or whenever anybody what uh, either the vaccine exists or everybody has had the virus already. But right. I don't and, know. And, I, I read an article this morning though that uh, says that fucking there's a bunch of people at this point who have been infected twice with coronavirus. That's crazy. I haven't heard anything about that. I got to look into that. That's right. wild. So it's like even if there is a vaccine or even if everybody has had the virus, it seems like that doesn't even solve it. Right. And that, so it's just like at that point, it's just like, why are we still locked down? You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I, I so let me go ahead and say I'm not no scientist. You know what I mean? I don't read much. I don't know that much. But what I what I've heard is that like there's a 99% chance you're going to survive if you get this. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's true, but if that is if that is true, it's just like, yeah, you might get sick, but you get sick like every year at some point. I get sick. I don't have like the best immune system. Uh, I'm working on it, but it's just like, I don't know. How long can we can we 
force people to not live their lives and not work until, you know, and how long can we do that for? Because even if there is a vaccine, you know, who's to say it works or like how long until that happens? And then what if we can just get sick again? So it's just like, I don't know. I, like I said, I, there's no right answer to this. Like there, no one has a book on how to handle this or what is right, what is wrong and all this. We're just figuring it out as we go. And me personally, I just like, I, I kind of just want to get it. And, and you know what I mean? I just kind of just want to get it and just get it over with. And I, I'm not saying me going out and playing shows is going to make me get it. Like that's not, I'm not going to play shows so I can get it, but I'm just saying like a part of me, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not out there searching for it, but a part of me wishes I would have just had it already. And, but like you said, that, that still might not help. You still could get it again. So who knows, but man? Even if you have it, I believe you could still be a vector for it, right? I mean, that's my understanding. I don't know, man. All, all I know is I'm, I'm, I get pretty bored in this studio. <laughs> so I just did a quick bit of maths, um, and it turns out in America there's a 2.1% death rate. So Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, if Dang, you get that's, it, that's a, it's a 98 a out of 100 chance that you'll be fine. So 98% w- is pretty good. I want to know how many people that did die had some type of underlying health um you know because you know it's like people who are obese people with diabetes or people who are already sick or like you know cancer patients or stuff like that like you know that's underlining health and then then they have they they'll chop it up to corona because i got some friends who are nurses and i was talking to them the other week and dude they say fuck the corona like they don't think it's shit uh, you know, the host- if somebody dies in the hospital, they're saying it's corona. Um, and I asked them, you know, how do the mask, do, they, do you think those help? They said no. I'm still wearing a mask. I mean, you have to where I live. Right. But I mean, even if you get it, um, like, and you survive it, it doesn't sound that great surviving it. Like my buddy had it and he survived it and his lungs are fucked, man. Like he, he said his lungs are real bad now. Yeah, my sister had it. Huh. And yeah. uh, she said it wasn't fun. Yeah, she definitely, she said it, it wasn't fun at all, but now she's, you know, hunky-dory, and she's out there doing her thing. Damn, so she, she's 100% she had it. Like she got a test and... and oh, yeah, yeah. Her, yeah, her her and her girlfriend both got it, and uh, they both, they both had it for a while. They were sick for like a good two weeks, and they're both good now. They got tested and everything. Yeah, I thought I had it in March, because I had, um... I had some weird shit going on with my lungs. Um, and all of the things that I read online pointed towards it being potentially um, bronchitis. But I, I was like, because uh, there's so much of this rage about coronavirus right now, I thought it was that. But I went and got an antibody test recently and I did not have antibodies. So I don't think that I had coronavirus. But um, yeah, it doesn't seem fun just from stuff that I've heard and, and whatnot. But yeah, I mean... Maybe it's not as deadly as, as people say, but I think the fact that it can kill people and, and that it seems to have killed a lot of people, even if they have underlying health conditions or not, still, I don't know. I kept on I was, saying underlining health because I forgot the word that w- went after that. <laughs> it's conditions. So <laughs> <Right> simple. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Patrick about this and he he's kind of in the same boat as you where he just thinks that like maybe it's a little bit of fear-mongering going on and that um it doesn't seem as bad as as the media is making it out but i don't know man i'm I'm more in the boat of like maybe it's not but like also maybe we should just listen to the scientists right like they seem right like exactly <laughs> exactly I, I i i could get that i mean that's a good argument like hey you should listen to the people who know what they're talking about like how do you have a comeback to that you know you're just like oh yeah you're probably right <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's people who's, who've been studying epidemiology for like decades before this virus came along. And they also, you know, same people who have studied uh, the original SARS uh, virus that was in, I think it was China as well, like back in the day, like 10 years ago or however, however many years ago. And people who like studied MERS and shit, it's like they're also studying this virus. So like these these same people who have just been into this shit for a long ass time are like the people who we should be listening to. I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and if they're saying, you know, like common sense is just to like stay away from people, don't have large gatherings, wear a mask and try and wash your hands all the time. I mean, it seems pretty I've been doing all that, dude. I really have hunkered down inside of my house. Like I haven't really gone nowhere other than like to see my family. That's about it. 
Right. Um. Yeah. What have you been doing this whole time? Have you just been writing tunes, or? Yeah, I've 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 written a fucking a lot of tunes, and it's and it's and it's really cool writing tunes during this. Um, I say cool. It's just different because you're not writing tunes for like a for a set or anything like you're writing tunes for you now you know you're having like a lot more fun with it and i always do try to have fun with my music like every like my i know my music's not like the craziest music it's not the heaviest you know it's not the wildest but i like to say it's the most fun so i really put an emphasis on making my music as fun as i can like make it as fun as i can but doing it in the quarantine you know i've just been making different types of music just for you know just just push myself i guess but uh, so I've just been working a lot of music. I, I built a computer, um, and we're doing a big thing for our podcast that we're launching in two weeks. Uh, basically, half of my studio is now going to be the podcasting studio. It's like one half production, one half for podcasting. So, you know, building the wall, getting desk, new cameras, new lighting. So, like, putting a lot of time and effort into that. A lot of planning. Um, just we've been we've been uh doing a lot of designing for like merches and stuff like that, but that's about it. Just working on music and just working on the podcast, and that's about it. Having a good time. I have I have been having a good time, so I can't complain a whole lot about it. What what else have I been doing in the in the corn? That's about it, dude. To be honest. Um. Yeah. What's going on with the, your podcast? I actually have not listened to it before, I, but I know some people have been on it. How how many episodes have you done now? I wish I knew the answer to that question. I think like we're probably twenty something. I I think I'm probably wrong. Who knows? I definitely definitely a twenty. I'd say at least. But I mean, the podcast is cool. You know, we I try to make the podcast fun too. Like, cause I know there's a lot of there's there's so many podcasts out there. You know, and and I and I listen to yours. You know, yours you you talk a lot about production and stuff like that. And then like uh you know Willie Joy has his and he talks a lot about like journeys and stuff like that. And I don't, I didn't want mine to kind of be like you know talking about stuff. I wanted mine to be more like a comedic thing where I, you know I take like a blunts and blondes and ask him if he'd rather give up blunts or blowjobs. You know, like dumb questions like that. <laughs> and so it's just like. I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm a fucking comedian. I like to, I like to make shit funny. I like to make people laugh, and I. So that's just what my podcast is: is just getting these artists and kind of just talking about shit that they probably wouldn't talk about anywhere else. Right, and it's it's the same sort of format as this one, where it's just like an hour of conversation or whatever. Or? Yeah, hour. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, it's about to change though. Like we're about to do uh, full videos. Uh, we haven't been putting full videos on YouTube. We've only just been doing. Uh, just the audio, but now we're going to do full videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And um, like we actually like the the setup for it looks fucking awesome. Like it looks really professional. We we really wanted to make it like a like a show. Like that's something something that I thought would be really cool. And yeah, it's ex- it's really exciting. I'm very very excited. We put a lot of work into into getting it ready. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I actually read in an interview somewhere that you said uh, you take a lot of influence from comedy. Uh, have you ever done like an open mic stand-up night or anything like that? Oh, yeah, dude. You definitely didn't look into me. I'm actually like a stand-up comedian. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, so I, I do a lot of comedy. Actually, I've done comedy at music festivals. Uh, oh, like Wakanfest, they gave me a 30-minute set uh, to do stand-up. Uh, Cosmic Kingdom, they gave me a 30-minute set to do some stand-up. And then there are some others that are supposed to happen this year. They didn't happen. But, I mean, and I do stand-up comedy every week here in New Orleans. I haven't since COVID because they're all shut down. And whenever I'm on the road, if there's an, if there's a mic, an open mic some, somewhere before the show or if I'm staying an extra day, I'll go hit it in that city. Um, I even do it in my sets. Like, I'll sometimes I'll open up my sets with some stand-up or mid-set. If I fuck up, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll just start telling jokes or if I see something funny in the crowd. I mean, people call for it. Most like from my headlining shows, they'll be like, "Do some fucking stand up." I'm like, "All right, sick, let's do it." So I just step in front of the DJ booth and I'll be like, "Is it okay if I tell y'all some jokes?" And they're all they're they're always about it. But Damn, yeah, sick. but I do take a lot of influence from comedy and stuff like that because if I'm like I said, I like to make my music fun, and if I'm laughing, I'm having a lot of fun in the studio. So it it, it it makes me, I don't know, it just makes me feel more creative when I'm laughing or just in a good headspace whenever everything's really funny. Like I'm not taking everything so serious because some people take like this producing shit way too serious. And, I, and like when I say t- so serious, 
Um, I don't mean like really work hard at like I take it very serious in that sense, but like take it really serious like oh I'm about to make the fucking biggest banger. And it's like no, that's not me. I just I just try to laugh and have some fun with it and just you know I, I want to be able to people to hear that in my music too. Right, right. Yeah. What uh like how would you describe your your stand up? Uh, fucked. I definitely like some. My favorite comedian is Jim Jeffries. I like that he does like the you know the jokes that you're just kind of like holy shit did he just say that. <laughs> And I really like that about comedy is like, there's no limits. It's like when people start starting to put a cap on things you can say in a comedy uh, sense, then like shit starts getting really boring really quick. So I really like the kind of wow factor. So I'd really, I'd say that is my comedy set. It's a lot of those wow factors. Like, fuck, he just said that, but like, you know, do it tastefully to where I'm not just offending people on stage. You know what I mean? It's like the yeah, Taboo yeah. Talks videos, except I'm not like, you know, in the Taboo Talks videos, I'm doing like the, you know, I'm like playing the character and that character is like loosely based off of my father. But like, you know, it's like the same type of jokes, but like not like me just being just loud and drunk and obnoxious. Right. Did you um watch Jim Jeffrey's latest one, Intolerant? Um, if, if it's out, then yes. And I went and saw him right before all of this. And it was my favorite Jim Jeffrey set I've ever I've ever seen like there was a point of his show where I was in my chair curled up in the fetal position crying it was fucking awesome like it was that was the best comedy show I've ever seen dude and uh, like I said if if, if 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 I don't know the names of most specials I just watch them and I, I just I don't have the best memory for special names but like if if he's if it's out on the interwebs or on Netflix I've definitely seen it yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him just before COVID as well. I, I saw him in Las Vegas because I was there just hanging out. And um, yeah, man, he's fucking hilarious. I love he's the joke. So good. Yeah, my he's favorite so- joke. Uh, it's in the new special. Is where he's uh, talking about his brother, and he's like, um, his brother said like, oh, "Go get me a coke, or I'll piss on the carpet." <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to butcher. Since you saw the new, the new his uh his new routine, you probably saw him with that joke where it's like treating a woman like she's the last woman on earth. That whole bit. Did you see that one? I don't want to butcher the bit, but God, that was the funniest bit I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah, man, he's he's great. I I really um I'm a huge fan of Tom Segura. I think he's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, yeah. Bert Kreischer as well is hilarious. Do you um do you listen to all those podcasts like Two Bears One Cave and Your Mum's House and Bert Cast and all that shit? Yeah, I actually I don't listen to all of them, but I try to. Honestly, my favorite podcast to listen to is the Pat McAfee Show. He's a uh, he's a ex NFL player, but he's just got such a like bright, like very loud personality. He's like very uh, entertaining. Uh, I really love sports. But, like, you know, I love, like, The King and the Sting, like, with Theo Vaughn and Brennan Shaw. Like, that's a fucking hysterical uh, podcast. Uh, the, the Bill Burt one's really good. Obviously, everyone listens to Joe Rogan. But, yeah, I really enjoy that Pat McAfee show. Uh, he's, he's just a sports guy. Do you like sports at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm actually into esports a lot. And, actually, throughout quarantine, I've been super into chess. Um, hell yeah i've been into chess for a long time but specifically through quarantine i've been studying it a lot more formally and in a more organized fashion and just getting into it more and just trying to get better at it and stuff like that so uh i'm into watching a shitload of chess videos if you count that as a sport i guess yeah i consider it a sport i I think so i mean it takes a lot of i think anything that takes a like where it's uh competitive and it takes practice you know what I mean? I, I I think I'd consider that a sport. So in that sense, do you think um, bass music or EDM in general could be considered a sport? No, I consider it an art. I mean, I feel like it's 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 competitive in a sense where it's like you know you want to be bigger than that person that's working next door or something like that. Like you know, even if you say like you don't want to, like deep down inside you know you do. But I don't I don't think it's like competitive to where like you know there's a scoreboard. You know what I mean? Like there's not like a winner and a loser in that sense. So I wouldn't say it's a a com- like a, a sport yeah it's not a zero-sum game yeah yeah so you know with chess you know there's a winner and there's a loser i won the game you know there's not really like a winner right. and a loser in, in music because everyone has their own journey and stuff like that right right um what kind of sports are you into i love football dude and i fucking love football i love I, I just got into basketball like it last year uh just because it's been really fun being a basketball uh fan in new orleans 
and uh, I got into the UFC like a year and a half ago. I actually watched the fight last night. It's fucking awesome. But I mean, I love just about every sport, to be honest. Like I've even watched golf. Uh, I like NASCAR. Um, I don't know, man. I like it all, dude. I, I like I like competition. I really do like competition. It's fun. It's very entertaining. And it's a lot more fun whenever there's money on the line, too. <laughs> right, right. Do you play any? Hell no, man. Uh, nope. <laughs> I wish I could, dude. I, I'm not, um, you know, I don't have those good genes, I reckon is the right word. You know, like I, I was good at basketball when I was a kid, you know, but by the time everyone started hitting puberty and getting taller than me and faster, <laughs> that was about it. I, I skateboarded a bunch and I, and I, you know, I, I was really good at that, but I wasn't like the best, you know, not, I wasn't good enough to continue on. Music was always just kind of the thing for me. Um, hey, this internet connection is like kind of being real sketchy, so I might end the the podcast there for whatever reason. I don't know. It just keeps cutting out like halfway through your sentences, so I'm only sort of getting like half your answers and stuff like that. But um, so so I've actually noticed this with Zoom. I, so I've been doing lessons, and I've noticed it with Zoom. At some point in the lesson, it start cutting out, and 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 I think it's just a Zoom thing because hmm. whenever I do like Skype or Discord, like I never run into that issue. Huh, okay. Yeah, maybe I'll keep that in mind. There's also Google Meet now. I guess like Google sort of saw some sort of um, angle with making a platform similar to, to Zoom, but, you know, obviously they have Hangouts, but they just made this other thing called Google Meet, which seems pretty good, and it seems like not a lot of people are using it yet because it's pretty new, so... Well, dude, if it's better, if you know, if it's better than all of them, I mean, I I, I just started using Discord. And I haven't had any type of issues with Discord, but Zoom has been a son of a bitch. <laughs> like every time I've used it. Well, anyway, man, I really appreciate you coming on, and um, I'd love to do a Taboo Talks one as well. Like, it'd be I've, I don't, haven't really, I've actually never played a show in New Orleans, but if I ever do after all this stuff happens, I'd love to come and see your studio and see and do a podcast in there. Yeah, man, I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you on the cast as well. And I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta, um, I gotta correct you. So, so, so people do get confused. The the podcast is talks with taboo the taboo talks are just like the little stupid videos that just made for laughter but the podcast itself is talks with taboo okay gotcha yeah right on all right man well um yeah thanks again all right man i appreciate you and you stay good out there dude um have sex with teachers later Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you.